By the year 2000, Queen of Pop Madonna had already been a trailblazer for close to two decades, having been banned by the church multiple times, selling hundreds of millions of albums, and inspiring countless artists. When it came time for another album release, Madonna was facing something she had never faced before competition. With a whole new crop of teen pop stars like Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera taking over radio stations and record stores around the country, everyone was anxiously awaiting to see what the material girl would put out. Would it be able to compete with the new girls? Compete it did. With her album Music, Madonna introduced a new sound to the world of pop music and reinvented her image once again. Home to some of her biggest hits like Music and Don't Tell Me, join me this week as we deep dive into Madonna's incredible eighth studio album, Music, with our special guest, Troy McKeady from the Podcast. After all, Madonna said it best herself, music makes the people come together. Hey everybody, my name is Michael Kadosh and I'm here to welcome you all to Planet 2000s, a place where we celebrate pop music's most iconic moments from the most iconic decade in pop music history. Let's dive in. Hey everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Planet 2000s podcast. I am your host, Michael Kadosh. Before we get started this week, I just want to say thank you to everybody for the get well wishes and for just being very patient with this week's episode. I was very sick for the last couple of weeks, so I couldn't put out an episode around the time that I usually do, but thank you guys for waiting. And I hope you guys are excited because we're talking about Madonna music. So let's get started. Music is the eighth studio album by the queen of pop herself, Miss Madonna. It was released on September 18th, 2000 on Maverick and Warner Records. She was originally supposed to go on tour after the success of her previous album, Ray of Light. However, with the encouragement of her label, she decided to go into the studio and record another album instead before doing so. And alas, music was born. I always want to write good music and I... I always, you know, every time I go in the studio, I always think, oh, God, I hope I can keep coming up with the goods. And somehow it just happens. But I have to be inspired and I have to work with people that I, uh, that I find exciting. Songwriter, I'm, I'm really... I'm really conservative in a way I'm, uh, in terms of, you know, song structure and verses and choruses and bridges and melodies and all that. So I think I like to find somebody who's a little bit more avant-garde um, and in, in, in the production department. And then I like to marry their um, uh, unconventional approach to music with mine, which is more conventional, and see what comes up. She primarily worked with producer Mirway's Amade, which resulted in a more experimental musical approach, something that she had already started doing with Ray of Light, but really took to fruition with this album. She also did a few songs on this album with Ray of Light co-producer William Orbit. I started working with William Orbit again because we had a relationship from Ray of Light, and then we did Beautiful Stranger together, and I love him, and we work really well together. I think that music is much more pared down, much more minimalist, in a way more funky. It's kind of funky flavor on me and music then much more so than ray of light guy osiri my partner at maverick was given uh, a demo by a french artist called mirwes guy slipped it to me and said what do you think just as an artist to sign at maverick and i just said oh my god this is what I want. This is this is the sound, and I was just flipped over it. And um, I said, "Please find out, if, you know, if, if he wants to work with me and collaborate. Just try out one song together." And we did. And then I wanted more. And then we did two. And then I wanted more. And then we did three. And and then 
that was it. Genre-wise, the album has a consistent dance, pop, and electronica vibe, with a few little dabbles in funk, house, rock, country, and folk. Recorded in London, Madonna took on a country girl theme for the album, reinventing her image this time around as a cowgirl. Yeehaw. What have you learned about yourself through the whole uh, cowgirl ghetto chic sort of image. I love the juxtaposition of urban and rural. I mean, that's to me, and to me, that's what the sound of my album is. Why are you doing what you're doing? What fuels your work? Um, searching for meaning in life. Trying to figure out what, I, what, what it is that I've been put on this earth to do and say. Do you get a sense of that? What your mission what is? Yeah, I'm here to provoke people. <laughs> yeah. Now, it was around the time of the recording of this album that Madonna learned that she was pregnant with her second child and her first child with her then-husband Guy Ritchie. She wanted to avoid the paparazzi and media circus that was surrounding the pregnancy, so she decided to honker down in the studio and just spend her pregnancy recording the album. Madonna knew that she had to come up with a revolutionary sound for this album because this time around there was something that she didn't have with any previous album, competition. Since the release of her last album, a whole new crop of female artists like Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, Jessica Simpson, Mandy Moore, all were popping onto the scene as little Madonna wannabes, so she needed to do something that set her apart from those younger ladies. It was then that she met Mirwais, and she fell in love with his pitch-shifting and use of acid bass in his songs, and since Mirwais always wanted to take musical risks, they were a match made in heaven. She first started working with William Orbit, but quickly realized that she needed a different sound for the project, so she scrapped most of the songs that she did with Orbit, only three actually ended up making the album in the end, and opted to explore other producers, and in comes Mirwais. In an interview with CNN, she stated, Guy O'Sherry, my partner at Maverick Records, was given a demo by a French artist called Mirwais. He slipped it to me and said, what do you think of him as an artist assigned at Maverick? I just said, oh my god, this is what I want. I just flipped over it and said, please find out if he wants to work with me. She later proclaimed Mirwais a musical genius. There were three singles released from this album, Music, Don't Tell Me, and What It Feels Like for a Girl. So let's get started into talking about the singles. We're obviously going to be doing a track-by-track moment for this album with my friend Troy, and he's going to be joining us in just a little bit. But before then, let's just talk about the singles a little bit and just see the true significance that the singles had from this album. Released as the first single from the album on August 21st, 2000, Music was inspired by a Sting concert that Madonna attended after she saw and experienced the unity that his music set across the entire audience. She told Rolling Stone magazine, Here, the audience was well-behaved until Sting began playing old hits by his band The Police. The lights were dimmed and everyone came closer to the stage to listen to Sting. Suddenly, people lost their inhibition and their politeness, and everybody was practically holding hands. I mean, it really moved me. Recorded in September 1999, the track was written by both Madonna and and Mirwai Samadze, aiming for an electro-funk vibe, and they got just that. I liked, um, I liked the minimalism of his production. I liked the way he um, processed the guitar sound in his stuff. And there was an element of sadness and melancholy in his, in his own music. Um, and there's something funky about his music, so I liked all those things. Before its official release, the song was leaked on Napster, which prompted Madonna's team to threaten legal action. This was happening very commonly in the early 2000s, guys. With the inception of music file-sharing sites like Napster, record sales were suffering, and music was getting leaked prematurely. This sent the music industry into complete disarray, and in a lot of ways was the death of the physical album, but that took a few years to fully happen. In 2000, people were still buying albums, and the record companies thought that they still had the upper hand, and would threaten legal action, left, right, and center 
contender to any leak, and this was one of those early cases. The song received generally positive reviews from critics, with Stephen Thomas Erlewine of All Music calling it a thumping track, which sounds funkier, denser, sexier with each spin. Jim Farber of the New York Daily News gave a positive feedback as well, saying that it is everything a single should be. Pithy, simple, and maddeningly catchy. Her most instantly embraceable single since Holiday. The music video was shot by famed cinematographer Jonas Ackerlund, who had previously directed Madonna's music video for her hit single Ray of Light two years prior. He has been known for his artsy type out-of-the-box music videos, and this video was a take on R&B and hip-hop videos at the time that always focused on going out to strip clubs and having girls everywhere. Because I just thought it was hysterical that every hip-hop and R&B video that came out basically had the same scenario, you know, going out in a limousine, drinking champagne, and going to strip clubs, and lots of girls booty shaking in their G-strings, blah, blah, blah. And I just thought, it's weird. Only guys make those kind of videos. How can girls never do it? So then, of course, I thought, well, that's a good idea. I think I'll do it. It's just a funny aesthetic to get into, you know, the whole, you know, rock and movies. Yeah, and wearing, a, you know, lots of gold jewelry and, you know, just being so flash. And it was fun. Well, first of all, girls go to strip clubs all the time and get lap dances, you know, but we only see guys doing it. It's not about, you know, girls. It's not even about lesbians. It's just about women having fun and going out and being naughty and and silly and, you know, doing things that guys think are only, you know, their territory and just... Sometimes it's funny to sort of flip it all around. Ali G, played by Sasha Baron Cohen, makes an appearance in the video alongside Madonna's real-life friend Debbie Mazar. They originally intended to have Chris Rock in the video, but Madonna insisted on Sasha's character Ali G, stating that while Americans may not know him yet, he was so doggone funny, it was time for his American debut. The video was shot in April 2000, and Madonna was very, very pregnant. However, they didn't want it to look like she was, so it was a challenge, but it all came together in the end. The video premiered on VH1 and MTV on August 22nd, 2000. Music has been included in many critics lists for Madonna's top singles and is often ranked as one of the best songs of the 2000s. Music was nominated for two Grammys at the 2001 ceremony, including Record of the Year and Best Female Pop Vocal Performance, losing to U2 and Macy Gray, respectfully. The song was a smash hit on the charts, peaking at number one in Australia, Canada, Greece, Hungary, Iceland, Italy, Japan, New Zealand, Norway, Poland, Portugal, Romania, Spain, Switzerland, the UK, and the USA. Damn, that's a lot of countries. (laughs) Don't Tell Me was released as the second single from music on November 14th, 2000. Co-written with Mirwais and her then-brother-in-law, Joe Henry, the song is an electronica, folktronica song merging country, electronic, and folk music into one incredibly unique genre and is a huge reason why the song is so revolutionary. Madonna's brother-in-law composed a song called Stop, and Madonna's sister Melanie loved it so much that she sent it to Madonna. While Madonna didn't love everything about the song, there was something about its lyrics that drew her in, and she brought the demo to Mirwais, and the two of them reworked the song, and alas, don't tell me was born. Lyrically, the song follows Madonna asking her lover not to control her. It has been compared by many critics to the work of Sheryl Crow. The music video for the song was directed by French director Jean-Baptiste Mondino, with Jamie King hired as the main choreographer. The look for the video is exactly what one would picture when thinking of this era. It perfectly encapsulates the cowgirl image that Madonna intended to portray for this musical era, and we talk about this, me and Troy, a lot later on in the episode when we get to talking about Don't Tell Me. Line dancing. Yeah. <laughs> Do you like line dancing as a rule? Um, well, no, I've been to some cowboy bars in America, and it's like a really big deal, and people show up in their cowboy hats, and they're really tight jeans, and they're super serious dancing to country and western music, and it's really cool because it's pure, and people are really enthusiastic when they go there, but it's not like really my style like in terms of music. 
but I like the idea of taking that style of dancing and putting it to my music. We saw it. There's just a tiny bit in the video of you on that book in Bronco. Yeah. Were you any good at that? Because it's a tiny bit. I thought, God, perhaps you bailed out a few Uh, times. No, I had to do, I had to take lessons and practice before we shot that. They had to put cushions all over the floor. And then I got on it. And you have to get used to it. And your, you know, your inner thigh muscles are killing you afterwards because you really have to grip. I mean, I guess it's like horseback riding, which I don't really do. So it was hard for me. It was the song Madonna performed on her first appearance on the David Letterman show after her infamous 1994 appearance where she consistently used the F word on live national television. I love that energy, girl. (laughs) She also performed the song at her November 29th London Brixton Academy promo concert where she famously wore a shirt with the name Britney Spears in pink on the front. Free Britney, baby. (laughs) The track was very successful on the charts, reaching number one in Canada, Italy, and New Zealand, number two in Spain, number three in Finland, Hungary, and Poland, and number four in both the UK and the USA. It was also nominated for Best Music Video at the 2002 Grammys, but lost to Weapon of Choice by Fatboy Slim. Released as a third single from the music album on April 16, 2001, and the final single released, What It Feels Like For A Girl was written by Madonna, Guy Sigsworth, and David Torn. Lyrically, it conveys society's double standard towards women, addressing hurtful myths about female inferiority. To emphasize the message, the song opens with a spoken word sample by actress Charlotte Gainsbourg from the 1993 British film The Cement Garden. Girls can wear jeans, cut their hair short, wear shirts and boots, because it's okay to be a boy, but for a boy to look like a girl is degrading, because you think that being a girl is degrading. But secretly, you love to know what it's like, wouldn't you? what it feels like for a girl. Deep Madonna. A Spanish version of the song was also released out of Lo que siente la mujer, and the song is an electronic synth-pop and semi-ballad song with a tempo of 104 beats per minute. The video was directed by Madonna's husband at the time, Guy Ritchie, and according to Madonna, she portrayed a nihilistic, pissed-off chick in the clip, doing things that girls are generally recommended against. The video did not feature the original version of the song, but it actually featured the Above and Beyond dance remix because she wanted a matching visual to it and an edgy dance mix. Okay, Madonna, sure. The video follows Madonna on a sort of crime binge, (laughs) picking up an old lady and taking her on a high-speed crime spree across the city, where Madonna tasers a man, steals his money, squirts water in policemen's faces, steals a car, before crashing the car into an apparent act of murder-suicide. Let's just say it was a very violent video, and upon the release of it on the TV networks, they were not too excited about it. And both MTV and VH1 said they would not be airing the video in their rotation, and only aired it once during a news broadcast to announce that they were not airing the video, making it Madonna's third video to be banned by the network throughout her career. She had previously had Justify My Love and Erotica banned on MTV and VH1, and What It Feels Like For A Girl was next. In Canada, Much Music said that they would air the video after 9pm, but with a warning beforehand. Norm Schokenfield, the US VP of Programming for Much Music, released a statement saying the video is no more or less violent than what kids see on TV every day. We weren't offended by it and treating it just like any other Madonna video. Just because MTV isn't playing it doesn't mean we can't. In classic Madonna fashion, the video ended up being released on DVD on April 24th, 2000 one and ended up being very successful in the sales. The song itself was moderately successful on the charts, reaching number one in Spain, number two in Canada and Italy, number seven in the UK, and number 23 in the USA. I honestly think it would have done better had they just used the original version of the song because it is so much better, but again, me and Troy talk about this in depth, so stay tuned for that. 
So I just wanted to take a minute to let you know about this amazing small business that I have been working with recently. They go by Jaden Collections and it's all kinds of fun little accessories. You got jewelry, graphic tees, stickers for your laptop. You can get some new trendy masks because we all know how the COVID's been going and just fun little trinkets for everyday life. Go to jadencollections.com. Jaden is spelled J-A-Y-D-E-N. And just for you guys, if you enter the code PLANET2000s on their website, you can get 20% off anything. So if you want to get some fun little earrings, some bracelets, some graphic tees, just enter the Planet 2000s code and you can get 20% off at Jaden Collections for a small town biz mama doing her thing and they are blowing up. Please go and support you guys. Thank you guys for listening to Planet 2000s. Back to the podcast. Madonna embarked on her first concert tour in eight years for this album, The Drowned World Tour, and served as a promotional tool for both her music and Ray of Light albums, with the majority of the set list consisting of songs from both albums. Running from June 9, 2001 to September 15, 2001, the tour was immensely successful, grossing $112.5 million at the box office and visiting both Europe and North America. The tour was also broadcast live on HBO. The album music received universal critical acclaim from the critics, with an average score of 80 out of 100 across all media outlets. A retrospective review in Blender magazine remarked her first headphones album. It's more playful, less pompous than Ray of Light. Rolling Stone stated that the album was a rough and improvised version of Ray of Light, but lauded that Madonna had had chosen to make a more instinctive record than her previous endeavors. Aside for her three nominations for Music and Don't Tell Me, the album itself also received some Grammy nominations in the Best Pop Vocal Album and Best Recording Package categories. The latter was won and awarded to the album's creative director. The album is ranked at number 452 on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums of All Time list, and Spin Magazine ranked it at number 18 on the Best Albums of the Year for the year 2000. The album was also immensely successful commercially, and it debuted at the top spot on the U.S. Billboard 200 with 420,000 copies sold in the first week, also making it Madonna's first number one album in 11 years since her 1989 hit album Like a Prayer. Warner Brothers Records stated that the album set the record at the time for highest shipment of albums in the company, with 3 million copies shipped worldwide in the first week alone. It went on to be certified three times platinum in America, Australia, Belgium, and Canada, where it also topped the charts, and it was also certified five times platinum in the UK. Overall, music topped the charts in 23 countries and has sold more than 11 million copies worldwide. That just doesn't happen anymore. So it's definitely one of Madonna's greatest sellers. Listen, you guys, it's a great album, so there's a reason for that. With that being said, let us turn over to my little segment with Troy McKeady, where we go track by track on every song on this album. We talk about the good things about it, the bad things about it, the writers, the sounds, and hopefully if you guys are fans of this album, you guys can enjoy the moment as well. So without further ado, let's do it. Come on, Troy. I just wanted to take a moment to let you guys know where you can find me on social media. I am on Instagram at Planet2000s, or you can hit me up on my personal page at Michael Kadosh, C-A-D-O-C-H. If you guys want to talk about some good old pop music or just reminisce about some good times, then make sure to hit me up there. I'm also on Twitter or Facebook at Michael Kadosh. Back to the pod. everybody and welcome back to the podcast you guys just heard me go in a little bit on the album and a little bit of the history but now is the part i'm most excited for because i'm joined by my friend from the denso podcast troy mckinney and we are going to be talking song by song about the music album troy so glad to have you here my friend i am so incredibly happy to be here not only because i'm obsessed with you and we have the same we we share half a brain we do Uh, (laughs) We we definitely do (laughs) <laughs> different parts of the world. I also love this album so much and I'm so like honored that you asked me to do it. Absolutely. And I think that 
you know, just from us, like being like friends for over social media for the last year or so, we've come to learn, like we have very similar music tastes and yeah. we both have this love for Madonna that not many people, I think in our age group really have. And you know what I mean? I'm thinking we're you're just, you're my Madonna girl. You know, that's it. Like you're the, <laughs> one, you're the person, you're the only one that I'm going to be doing these with. Oh my God. I'm, I literally, you saying, like, say that at my funeral. I'm the I'm Madonna girl. Like, hello. I just got goosebumps. No, I agree. I feel like the people, you know, I, I have a couple friends who understand the Madonna of it all, but it is very rare, especially because I feel like a lot of what she's good at has been so lost in translation over the last decade. Oh yeah. And I just think like, you know, we'll get into it, but to me, like, this era of Madonna, like, this 2000s, like, ray of light music, yes. uh, American life, like, to me, this is, like, my personal favorite Madonna. I just think she's endlessly talented. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited. Well, we're doing the album music today, and it is the first album of the 2000s decade for her that's in her discography, and a lot of people look at the album kind of as, like, the next chapter from Ray of Light, especially like sonically. I feel like Ray of Light was the introduction to what was to come for music. And then it moves on to American life so seamlessly, I find. Yeah, so let's get started. There's 10 songs. Well, I guess there's 11 songs on the album. If We'll do the version that's on streaming. So that's what we'll do today. So the first song is Music, the first single from the album. One of the first songs by Madonna that I ever learned, actually. Um, I was five years old and it came out. So really, like one of the first times I saw her was through this song and this iconic video i'd love to know your feelings about this it's the first single do you think it was the right choice you know looking back i don't obviously so i've I've, like i read about you know the singles and stuff to prepare for this recording and i was reading about the fact that you know it was very successful and people it was positively received and the critics liked it and i think it did a good job of like you know, just kind of kicking people by their ass into this new Madonna era, whether they were ready for it or not. I think the single, it's one of those songs, I wrote in my notes that music is one of those songs that it's hard to give a fair critique to because it just is so ingrained in pop culture in a way. Like, yeah, yeah. It's it's like trying to review Toxic. Like, it's hard to even give, you know, it's like there's too much to say. But I think it's a great song. Like, I just think it's... um. It's fun and it's really weird and unique and it symbolizes this change that Madonna was going through with all this like electronic weird acid beat music like it's really cool. If we're talking like lyrically or like in terms of being a visionary like song no it's not her most creative it's not her most lyrically beautiful or any of that however i think that you know not every song in her discography can be that right like you have to have like a virgins the music Mm -hmm. you know what i mean that are a little bit more light for the general public to enjoy so that they can be played at weddings and bar mitzvahs and things like that you know like you have to have that balance in your discography and i think that madonna was starting to have commercial success again after a fairly quiet period, right? So especially after, you know, Ray of Light being the huge rejuvenation that it was, I feel like she probably was aiming to write a mainstream top 40 song versus the more experimental tracks that are on the album that we'll get to talking to. So I think that it does an amazing job for what it is. And I think the beat is nasty. Like, I love it. It's just so fresh. So it's, it just 
you know, what, 21 years later? To me, honestly, because I've obviously been listening to this album a lot the last week prepping for this, and I, it sounds so fresh. Like, it really could be released as a dance song today. I truly think that. Just because that beat, I think she worked with Mirways um, for the song and majority of the album. I only have good things to say about the song, but I do understand what you were saying. Yeah, and another, one of the things I really love about this, um, this song, and I guess just in general on this album, is that it's so European. Yeah, oh yeah, it's Europop. So, it's such, and I love Europop. I love oh. when American pop artists have their Europop moment. Oh, it's um, so good. I, what do you think about the video, actually? I wanted to know the music, the actual video with the strippers and the whole, right. you know, very British, like almost reminds me of Austin Powers a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it is very Austin Powers. I was, I have all over my notes, like you can tell that Madonna just worked on the Austin Powers soundtrack. Exactly. Like pulsating through her veins still. And, you know, the video is silly and fun and cool. And, you know, it introduced us to this like American cowboy aesthetic of the 2000s like we have madonna to thank for that yeah um, oh yeah joanne could never <laughs> she could never joanne could never she tried she tried so hard but no girl sorry it doesn't hit the same the math ain't math in the same study not to um, mention that like on that promo tour like side note gaga like went in on madonna do you remember like in that interview oh, yeah. with with um i think it was zane low right she like went in on i write my own music and i literally kept thinking so does madonna so does she it's I just like i play music. instruments i'm like so does madonna it's like oh goodness anyway yeah I, Joanne know, I, know, I know i know <laughs> i know we could go on for an hour about that alone but it really bothers um, me yeah i love like uh, you know just visually i love like the introduction of this like this american cowboy thing that she was doing this like glittery rhinestone european kind of gay disco cowboy i think yeah it, and it's it almost felt like a merging of her worlds because this was also the era that you know british madonna like she was starting to speak in a british accent and she was mm-hmm. she got married to a uh, guy Ritchie, so and she moved to london so it, it it was fun to see her have like that american cowboy aesthetic kind of merging with the european sound and european visuals mm. almost felt like a connection of what she's going through in her life because like, she's merging from one culture to another moving on to a song on the album that i love i've always loved this song impressive instant co-written madonna and mirways it was not a single but it was intended to be the fourth single actually and then it just like never happened because you know the record company was having issues but this was supposed to be the fourth single after what it feels like for a girl what do we think about impressive instant well i'm so happy that you keep bringing up mirways is that how you pronounce his name yeah i think it's mirways yeah I can't um, pronounce his last name though, so girl, I ain't gonna try. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> but I know the first name is Mirways. Yeah, he's obviously amazing, and I, you know, it's like his spirit is so much on this album too. Like, you know, Madonna described all of these strange, really unique sounds, like these really weird, distorted um, beats, and all of this like sort of computer noise in the background. Oh yeah, you know what? This song sounds like a video game. It literally sounds like you're entering a video game and you're playing like Grand Theft Auto. We'll be right back after this quick word from our sponsors. You still loading them and heating them up with all your single shit you've been dropping. You feel me? Loading them up on. It it only takes structure. And, and you know, just paying attention to the climate of the game. Yeah. Nah, man. So do do your homies uh got a role in your in your little? You mean? Yeah, yeah. We all we all artists over here, man. I'm trying. Oh, yeah. I'm trying. Yeah. I'm trying. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to get them on there. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
we all artists, man. We go, you feel me? We gonna have this like. Bro, me and my man, like me and my man Kyle, we be like, I don't know, we play, we play with this <laughs> shit. Don't right play now. with this. I gotta lie, we play with this shit right now for for. Oh, I gotta lie. Don't play with it. Don't play with it. No. Take that shit seriously. One thousand percent, and it's very, you know, this is a very deep album, and there are songs on this album that have at times literally have brought me to tears. Yeah. Um, but this is one that I think it. This song wants you. The lyrics are mostly kind of nonsensical it wants you to focus on the, the sound production the sound oh, yeah. and how it makes you feel it's very atmospheric in that way absolutely and i love i think that it's almost comes like a little bit like a shock when you hear that first it's like oh right. oh my goodness <laughs> totally. okay. like that moment it's like okay i didn't realize that's what we're going for and then when she goes like the i'm in a trance and it sounds like piercing almost it's like yeah. ooh. but for me it keeps me on the edge of my seat this song it's like okay what am i gonna hear next it's computerized meets video game but i yeah. can totally picture this being in a video game and she's like like in the what it feels like for a girl video like this could have been the song uh, to be honest do you think yeah, it would have done well as a single i don't i don't because i don't think the general public would have been able to understand this at all okay i think that this is a song that's better suited to be in the middle of a bunch of other songs like okay. it, it's like a continuation of a story almost kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Even like the seventh song, like even like as a second song, it almost like feels like it was misplaced on the album. Right. Yeah, totally. For sure. And I wrote on my notes too, that I love, I will talk about this a lot with other songs, but Madonna also said during the promo for this album cycle that she wanted to mix these organic sort of folky, you know, Johnny Cash sounds with these computer sort of mechanical weird distorted sounds that we've been talking about and this is like leaning really hard into the distorted part of it i mean she literally madonna is a robot like she is her voice is a machine in this song but i love it i feel like it's cool it's interesting it's not like Mm -hmm. it doesn't sound try hard to me whereas i feel like in some of her newer albums some of the things sound a little more try hard this really Mm -hmm. sounds like she was like just playing in the studio and then just came up with this also great while doing some and smoking some weed or maybe doing some shrooms just saying just saying yeah yes oh my god i can't even imagine what this would sound like if i was on shrooms here oh my god i would be floating off the ground i'd be in in the clouds literally or completely tripping out but either (laughs) or or melting through the earth we don't know melting through the earth after all you're in on trails (laughs) 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 okay move right along number three runaway lover madonna william orbit one of the two william orbit songs on the album this sounds like it could have been on ray of light to me 100%. 100%. Just like the sound of it, it's almost like a mix of skin and candy perfume girl. You know what I mean? Like it could have been right in the middle of those two, this song. For sure. I actually wrote that exact thing in my notes that this sounds like, um, it's songs like this that remind you that those albums are sisters, you know? Uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Where you're like, okay, so she was in the same headspace and she really had mastered the art of this sort of strange very unique sound and one of the things that i wanted to bring up to you specifically in reference to this song was madonna's late night well i guess like mid 90s to late 90s obsession with bjork oh yeah well it all started after the song (laughs) bedtime story and then it was just like she just wanted to be the mainstream (laughs) bjork 
Yeah, like, nobody <laughs> like, talks about that. Madonna was literally riding Bjork's ass. She was obsessed with her. And I think it's cool. Like, this sounds so much like Bjork. It is insane. Well, I feel like a lot of Madonna's William Orbit Mirwaist years, so what, 90... 90- seven to 2000 just basically until confessions this was really the vibe of her music the experimental pop synth pop sounds like someone's about to get killed but like i don't know if i want to dance to this or if i want to cry to this very (laughs) chaotic let's just be honest sound and i feel like you know there were moments in it where it did it did come off like this is where she's supposed to be. She's doing great. But there were definitely moments of it that came out like, okay, are you just trying to be like, you say like Bjork. It makes you understand line. Bjork maybe had a little bit of a, a disdain for Madonna. Like it, it makes you understand why in the 90s she was like, I don't like her. Cause like, uh, listen, I, I was going to be- tell you, I'm waiting for the beyond the blinds episode on Bjork's opinion on everyone in this industry. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> don't even get me started on Bjork. I fucking love that woman. <laughs> that isolated queen. But no, yeah, this song is just so fucking weird and cool. And the instruments in the background are so, so unique and so yes. cool. Um, another video game song. Yeah. Very video game. Very video. It's like, okay, girl. It's like, literally, this is like Mario Brothers. This one is more Mario Brothers than Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> Especially at the end when it's like, wee, wee. Oh, God, yeah. Wee. Oh, God, yeah. But I like it. I like yeah. I, I, I do like it. Um, It's not a standout track for me, but it's a nice, it's a good one. Like, I enjoy it when it's on. It's fun. Uh, track number four, I deserve it. I really love the piercing noise that you hear after the chorus. I can't even oh. do it, but you know what I'm talking about? It's oh, just so like, it's like, oh my goodness. It's like, this is cool. Like I, when I remember when I first heard this as a kid, I was like, this is cool. And even like the lyrics of the song, I'll read you just, just the course. It's only a couple of lines, but it's like many miles, many roads I've traveled, fallen down on the way, many hearts, many years have unraveled leading up to today. It's kind of like looking back at your past loves and your past relationships, trying not to, you know, let it affect your future, but still realizing what I've done. Like, I've done this. There's a part in the second verse where she's like, this guy's prayed for me and I've prayed for him. He was made for me. I was made for him. So it's like, this is the next level for me after I've accepted that. I I don't know. I really, really like it. Maybe that's just my interpretation. I think that, first of all, this is is a standout for me. This is honestly, when I'm just kind of randomly skipping through Madonna songs at this place, I don't change it. Like, I love this song. And I agree with you. I think that this is like, basically her being like, I've been through hell and back in relationships and I sort of deserve at this point, like I worked really hard for this relationship and for this man to be in my life. And like he has equally, you know, and it's, I don't know, it's cool. And I, I, I don't know, I think, um, I think that this song is another one that really describes what she was going for on this album. Like, you know, if you had to pick maybe four, you know, three or four songs to represent the theme of this time as a whole, I would choose this as one of them. 
Yeah, and I love that you say that because it's also one of the few songs on this album that doesn't even have auto-tune on her vocals, right? Like, it's mm. she's very bare. Like, you hear her voice, like, from the beginning. That's why it's one of my favorites on the album, too, because this one is just after her time at Evita and Ray of Light. Her vocals were the strongest they'd ever been. So when she really sang at this time, like, she sounded beautiful. So it's also just vocally one of my favorite performances on the album as well. Yeah, and this one is a hardcore, hardcore sister of Ray of Light and American Life. This is more American Life to me. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Well, it's it's Amir Way's production, right? And he worked on American Life as well. So it's it's where we see the transition out of Ray of Light into music, into the next. God. So good, so good. Number five, amazing. For me, it's not my favorite. I don't know if that's a controversial opinion, but it's not my favorite. What do you think about it? Um... It's not my favorite either. Okay. It's fun. And yes. again, it's like, wow, Madonna was really feeling that awesome Powers gig. Like she yes. really <laughs> let that into her spirit deep. The international man of mystery. <laughs> <laughs> she really was like, I'm feeling this 60s fucking vibe. Like this like espionage sort of James Bond, but sort of um, campy Austin Powers thing. Like she really was feeling that. And it's cool. I love her take on it. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's it's okay. Like for me, growing up when I would play the CD, this one sounded a little bit like noise to me. Now, I had told you when I was recording, when we were going to record Friday, that I need a little bit of time with the album because there are a few songs that I hadn't heard in a while. So this was one of them just because it was always one of the songs that I would skip on the CD. And so it never made its way into my adult life. And now as I've been listening to it again, within the album, it does sound good. Like when you play the album as a whole, but I don't think it's a song that I would kind of go to. It's also one of the only two William Orbit collabs on this album. And Madonna had originally planned on working with him on the whole album, but apparently they just didn't have that same magic. And I do kind of hear that on this track. Like, it's good, but it doesn't match what they had done on the last album. And it's not the strongest on this album for me. But, you know, we love everyone. <laughs> We're not trying to shade. Right. It's still a good song. I still, like, obviously, like, I listened to it and I... I was okay to hear it and I enjoyed it, but it's just not a favorite. It's not a standout for me. I think that you're completely right. I, I do sort of feel like this song takes you out of the vibe. You know, this yeah. album is so, like I said, it's so atmospheric and, you know, it makes you feel like you're in a very specific room, but then this song makes you leave that room a little bit and then go yeah. back to it. Like this is not, it doesn't feel like it's a part of the same collection of songs to me. Yeah, I don't know. It just feels like a ray of light leftover. But I'll tell you yeah. a song that's not a ray of light leftover. Oh. Nobody's perfect. Oh my god. It's oh. so good. It's just okay, tell me. Band. Tell me everything, baby. Tell me everything. All of it. Huge. Okay, I have a very... This is something I wanted to say. This is one of the first things I wanted to bring up, but I forgot. People... I just watched a video today. Today. About how, you know, it's the it's the 10-year anniversary. Now, go with me on this journey, Michael. Okay. It is the 10-year anniversary recently of uh, of um, 808s and Heartbreaks by Kanye West. Right. And- yeah. It was about, well, now it's been, I think, 12, 13 years. Yeah, I, but 2008, 2009. Such a good album. I love it. Yes. Sorry. I watched a 10-year anniversary video of it. That's what I meant to say. I'm sorry. Clearly been more than 10 years. Um, (laughs) But so they were talking about how Kanye like introduced 
like the mainstream to using auto tune as like an effect, like a, like a an interesting effect. And I was like, oh, these people must not have heard of Madonna. Like, yeah. are you fucking kidding me? The yeah. way that Madonna used auto tune back in the day so as good. an art. Oh my god, it's so good. And if you think about it, I know it's probably hard for like for people to hear it and remove themselves from like the T pain of it all. But like. Yeah. Madonna was doing that a decade before T-Pain and the way she did it like when I think of autotune I think of Madonna I'll tell you who I think of and I know it's a Madonna episode and I probably shouldn't say this person but I do think of this person because she did it first Cher I think of Cher mm, the, yeah. you know and we all know that Cher and Madge have a very fun relationship <laughs> <laughs> right yes but one thing i will say is i loved madonna I, and i'm gonna use the word loved and not love because i don't love the way she uses it anymore right but i loved her use of autotune in this album especially because it was done artistically it wasn't done to just kind of help you sing in tune this was done it was done very artistically and it fit the production so well on this mm-hmm. song like nobody's perfect as a ballad but it just mm-hmm. sounds so like slinky almost like it's so great and the way that her vocal sounds on it and she's not even saying that much she's really repeating nobody's perfect so many times through the song but it just sounds so great and if, any of you guys who don't know this song who are listening because you know it wasn't a single so not right. everybody may know it Definitely go back to this one because it was a great one. If anything, this could have been like a fun single at the time. I, I, fun. I, I don't mean the word fun. I mean like just like different right. voice. Just because like, I don't know. I actually think that this is more of a visionary type of sound that Kanye's 808s and Heartbreak borrowed from. Let's be honest, because he kind of did the auto-tune ballads with like Love Lockdown and you know, forever young, that song. I love that song. So like Madonna did that first. And this is a prime example of this track of that. I could not agree more. I think that she definitely revolutionized using auto-tune in a way that felt emotional. Cause that was like yeah. such a new thing. The distorted guitars, oh, again, God. like the theme of this album comes through in every song so intensely where it's like, you have these really raw sort of Johnny Cash guitars that are being distorted by equipment. It's just so yeah. fucking cool. And the part of my favorite part of the song is the is after the breakdown when she does the 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 cool I'm not when I am with you. Oh, yeah. oh. I love that. Fucking love that. I've never watched her do this live. Do you know if she ever did this live? Oh, God, I, it seems like a song that she definitely would have done live at some point, but I don't remember. Let me quickly check the set list of the Drowned World Tour, which was the tour that she did for this album, because if she did do this live, I'm going to quickly check it out. And if she did do it live, I'm going to edit it into right here so everyone else can listen to it. Okay. Hold on. Yes, she did. Okay. <laughs> okay. Cue to the track. Yeah, I just felt like everybody needs to hear that. If if anything, let me be the one to show it to you guys because this song is fantastic. Number seven on this album, my favorite song. Oh, I'm 
song. My favorite song ever. Like, I'm talking like top 10 Madonna songs for me. For me. Don't tell me. Oh, my goodness. So I, I'll, I'll quickly go because I just like yeah, it's no, bursting it, out it, of it. my body. Uh, a, just like visually right like this is the direct visual of this album this song like when i look oh, at the my album, album, i hear this song like this is what i hear the video is so great the choreography in the video is so great she looks fantastic she sounds so good i love madonna's lower register so when she does those low notes and she has so many of those in this song and even like the kind of mid notes that she does, it just sounds so fresh. It sounds, she's just sounds her best on this track. I love when she's not trying too hard. It just sounds like she just went into the studio and is just like literally with her girls and like just having yes. a good time. It's one of my favorite songs as a kid. It was one of my favorite songs as, as a kid, I should say. Um, I would always dance to it all the time. It's a feel-good song. This goes into the same category as like a Nelly Furtado Say It, right? That I could just listen to it 25,000 times over and I will literally love it just as much every single time. Um, side note, also love Miley Cyrus's performance with her at MTV Unplugged. Oh my <laughs> God! Chanel <laughs> denim pajamas. Give me a break. So fucking iconic. <laughs> Oh my God. But yes. Okay. So what's your relationship like with this track? Oh yeah. So this is, I would even go, I'm going to go as far as to say, I think this may be in my top five favorite Madonna. Like I can. Okay. Great. Oh wow. Okay. Cool. This is like, you know, play this one at my funeral kind of gig. Yes, Um, absolutely. It's a, it's a literal masterpiece. This is masterful song making, songwriting, production, visual. Yes. Like, like hit me holy fuck yeah first of all that's on my neck (laughs) literally (laughs) this song to me like the the music video is i literally wrote in my notes is the representation of the whole album because you know it's like it's the visual it's the visual explanation of what she's trying to get across which is mixing like organic and natural and real and raw with like mechanical and fake to the point that she's like riding a mechanical bull in the desert. Like she's walking in front of a green screen of the desert that isn't real. And then these people from the desert are jumping out of the green screen. It's just, it's so fucking smart. And I wrote a quote from Miraways because I found this on song genius when I was looking up like lyrics and stuff. Mm-hmm. He said, I think don't tell me has remained since uh, since that time as an iconic song for several reasons, we can call this song the first, the very first folktronica or cyber folk song ever. I think Madonna and I invented this style and the magnificent music video made by John Baptiste Mondino helped to crystallize the electronic cowboy image, uh, which was something totally new at the time. And then he said, the song is one of the very rare singles Madonna performs with no effects on her vocals and all yeah. this, everyone noticed it. I love the jungle programming vibe. This is why I incorporated it. And don't tell me, um, it sounds very ahead of its time. And it's all truth. That is all true. And notice how my favorite thing Amira said right there, it's one of the few songs that doesn't have the vocal effects on her voice. And I said like the song, and then I said that about, I deserve it. And mm-hmm. that just goes to show like how great just her voice is. She never gets any credit for her voice. Madonna can sing so beautifully and it sounds so peaceful and just so nice to listen to. And this song is one of those songs of hers in her discography where she just sounds amazing. But I love that. Like it's like the first folktronica song and it's so Mm -hmm. true. It has that country twang to it with that guitar, but it's obviously a 
you know, a pop song and a dance song and the way they merged these genres together and made it work so well. And yeah. like I said earlier, when we were in this recording, you know, it's not try hard, it's organic and mm-hmm. it's beautiful. Cause that's exactly what she wanted with this album for all the sounds to be organic sounds that were experimental, but that came from a real place of just loving music. And I totally get that with this song. I'm so happy it was such a huge hit also. It was mm-hmm. a, like a number one hit everywhere. I was number three in America. So I love that it got great recognition as well because it's such an amazing song and a great one to be associated with Madonna because it's just so fucking perfect, <laughs> you know? <laughs> totally. And I, I will say to answer your first, the very first question you asked me, I think that this song would have been better suited as a first single. Yeah. Yeah. I think well, because it's was, the look and the it's sound. The look. Yeah, like if anything, I think this was more impactful um, as far as getting this sort of era's image in people's brains. Like when you think of when you think of Cowboy Madonna, you don't think of the music video. You think of this. Yes, of course. Like you think of her doing that fucking hip shuffle with those gay cowboys in the leather. Like it's just so and, you, and, and the stomping of the feet on the. It's like oh my oh, god, girl, so good, so fucking good. I'm so happy that you love this song as much as me. Yeah, it's definitely one of my favorites. Another song that I love as well. That's one of my favorite Madonna songs. Not top 10, but like definitely up there. Song number eight, What It Feels Like For A Girl. I love this song. The original version, the remix in the video is not my favorite, but it is iconic for its own reasons. But we'll talk about the actual album version. Co-written by Guy Sigsworth and David Torn. Guy Sigsworth also co-produced Every Time by Britney Spears. Fun fact. So... You know, you can tell. Know. He's it, it's it, right. It's just it has that sound to it. I think that's probably why I love what it feels like for a girl. I love the sample that they used of that speech at the beginning. Um, oh. Boys can wear jeans and cut their hair short, wear shirts and boots, whatever, because it's okay to be a boy. But for a boy to look like a girl is degrading. Because you think that being a girl is degrading. Yo, I, I'll never forget being a kid hearing that. And you know, growing up as like you know, we say growing up as like a gay boy, but like, obviously I didn't know what the fuck I was. I didn't right. know what sexuality was. I'm a fucking kid, bro. But right. I always like wanted to play with like Barbies and I always like loved princesses. And so when I heard that part, I was just like, wow, that's crazy. I never realized that like, yeah, girls wear jeans, girls have short hair and nobody says anything. But if I even have an ounce of feminine and, and like I dress relatively masculinely but like any type of little feminine attribute is like torn apart at least back then and so it made me real like that that quote is what made me realize i'm like wow this is the society that we're living in it's great to see that a lot of the thing those things have changed over time since this song has come out but it just goes to show you madonna's mind and madonna's Mm -hmm. power for social issues her passion for all that where she even found that and put it into a song about do you even know what it feels like for a girl and but and explaining like all the amazing things about what it is to be a girl but you don't give me that respect and it's something that so many people can relate to so the message is amazing and the sound of the song is amazing i love this song and i hate that glee ruined it next (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) oh my god no you're totally right (laughs) yeah it's in like how crazy that no matter what is going on in the world, this song is always relevant and it always makes sense and it, it's always current. Like it always feels brand new and relevant to anything that's happening. Yeah. Um, it's timeless and it's beautiful and it just 
it makes you feel so emotional while you're listening to it. It's such an emotional song. I don't know. It does make me sad. Like, I know we're talking about this version of it. It does make me sad that the music video chose to use the remixed version of the song, which is not good, (laughs) in my opinion. It's not Um, good. And I mean... To be honest, I don't even know how she got that video from this song. I just don't get it. I don't get it. I know. It's just like, for the video that was shot, yeah, I guess that version is the version that needed to be used because this version is a beautiful song and that wouldn't have gone with the video that was shot, I guess. That video is fucked. I remember... I remember it was banned from much music when I was a kid. And it would, and I remember seeing a commercial that it would only air like after midnight or some crazy shit. Like that, you know, yeah. that was the time they would do that to videos. Yeah, I was reading about how she, she said that she wrote this song because um, when she got pregnant, like it was expected that she would like follow Guy around, like yeah. move wherever, wherever he was going to live. And she was just like, you know, there's this expectation that like women will be compromising, like we have this extra chromosome in our bodies that like forces us to think that we should be more compromising to men. And I just love that. And I just, I also, I love like, I love when Madonna gets vulnerable, especially with Guy, her relationship with Guy. I think she's written some of the greatest songs inspired by him being like a fucker or being an alcoholic or being or cheating or whatever, trying to take her money, making her feel inadequate. And yeah, I love that this song came from him being like, you're pregnant now move where I'm going. Tell me how you really feel, Troy. (laughs) (laughs) Your opinion of Guy Ritchie is almost as low as my opinion on Gavin Rossdale. Oh, don't even get me started on that, son of a bitch. Yeah, when Um, I was doing my No Doubt episode last week, and I was talking about Underneath It All, and it's about Gavin, I was just like, that fucking cheater, Gavin Rossdale. (laughs) <laughs> like no. what he is girl i adore this song and i i had i remember being little too and listening to this song and being like wow i'm so fucking gay yeah i don't know what it means to be gay i'm gay as fuck yeah cheers to that my friend cheers to that cheers to that let me take a sip of this rose girl because <laughs> i'm happy that it was a single i do wish it got more recognition but Hey, I'll take it. I'm happy. It's right. it's like a song for the fans almost. Like I can't take that away from Mariah's discography, you know? Yes. Yeah. Next song on the album, one of my favorites on this album, Paradise Not For Me. I love this song. I just, it's very, it's a very weird song. It's mm-hmm. an interesting song. It's almost a little bit creepy, but I am creepy. So I like it. <laughs> yes, I love it too. I love I like when Madonna does these weird sort of scary atmospheric songs where they're like, you know, it's like you're like walking through like the woods in the dark or something is how the song makes you feel. I love it. I love it. I love the sound of it. And this is kind of going hand in hand with like a nobody's perfect with like the way that she's using autotune and making it so creative. Mm -hmm. But it sounds so well with the keys that they're using as the instruments, the doom, 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 doom. It's just so dark. Mm -hmm. And so the vocals are very dark too. And it sounds great. In terms of the actual lyrical content, it's really just about her just fucking realizing this life that she's fucking living is just not for her. The 
it's yeah. not what she imagined. <laughs> and she's talking about how she's been so high in sometimes and she's been so low. But this idea of paradise is just not real. I love the French as well. I'm going to read it mm. to you guys because your boy can speak French. Explain it to you, you know. Autour de moi, je ne vois pas qui sont les gens, sûrement pas moi. Who are the angels? Not me. I'm no fucking angel. She's always been very vocal <laughs> about that in her music. Encore une fois, je suis cassé. That means another time I'm broken. And encore une fois, je ne crois pas. And again, I can't believe it. It's like, no matter how many times I get broken, I still get shocked every single time. It's just a very spiritual track. And the violin that's used in it is just so like, oh, girl, like, come on. I just love it so much. And I think that at the end of the song, when it really just goes fucking crazy with the violin there, Mm. I just, uh, I lose it. It's one of my favorite songs on this album. Yeah, I could go on. I was reading about like, um, Another uh, song genius fact was uh, they were talking about how like Mirway's with this song. Madonna basically said when she was being interviewed about like the tracks that her favorite thing about his production on this one specifically was that it's so restrained and that he could have used the violins throughout the entire thing and made it this big epic ballad, but like, or not ballad, but like a big epic thing. But like he just teased the violins and at the, the very end, <clears throat> is when you really get them. And that's the best part of the song for me, like you said, is the end when it gets really weird. It's just I mean, it's so weird the whole weird. time, but like it really does a good job of yeah. like still surprising you. I don't know. Yeah, totally. Like you don't think that it's like how could this song get any weirder? And then you're like, oh okay. But in like the best way possible. It's peak nineties experimental Madonna just being like, I love Bjork. <laughs> oh, this is definitely a Bjork song. Like this is yeah, this could sure. be a Bjork song. Yeah, besides for that, I mean, I don't think this is a song that the general public would really like, to be honest with you. It's very weird, and it's very for a niche type of audience that is in Madonna's fan group. But it's one of my favorites on this album, and it's why one of the reasons why I love this album, and I feel like it represents it well, the experimental side of it. Number 10, this is the last song on the album of the Standard Edition of the album it is gone for me this is one of the forget what forgettable songs along with amazing for me i know that people do love it it's a little bit of a more vulnerable madonna and i do appreciate that part of it i personally just i never liked the actual music of it coincidentally it's a william or reproduction so uh, take that as you will oh wow that's so funny <laughs> take that as you will what do we feel about it i'm a big fan of gone i okay. really like it a lot yeah i i really like this song this is a another one that i i don't usually if i'm shuffling madonna songs like i don't usually turn away from this one okay, um, okay. cool interesting okay i think that it's because and this is i know not a popular opinion but like american life is one of my favorite madonna albums it's like up there like it really has a really special place in my heart mm-hmm. and this gives me such american life maybe like end of album vibes i like when madonna gets introspective and gets like really weird and vulnerable you know i like that side of her yeah i appreciate the vulnerability 100 percent. i love the lyrics of the song i just like yeah i don't know i guess maybe because i just as a kid just couldn't appreciate it i just to me it just sounded like a whatever song i get that you know but like it's obviously a nice song like i i've listened to it again like same as amazing like over the last like week and i'm like okay like it's not bad um i guess in terms of it being like a closer on the album it definitely does sound like an album closer Mm -hmm. so you know props to her for that at least it sound it does complete the record pretty good but i don't have much else to say about this song to be honest with you 
<laughs> yeah, no, I get it. It's it's yeah, it's not like um it's definitely not one that would be remembered. You know what I mean? It definitely feels like one of those deep cut just like fan songs. And I agree with you. I do think it's a really good album closer. It does when this song ends, it sounds like the album should be done. Like it feels complete. I just love this fucking album so much. I just like love I live for it. Well, well, Gone was a good album closer. Alas, it wasn't the album closer in international territories and since 2016 in North America either. American Pie is at number 11, the last song on the album, her cover of American Pie, which I don't care what anyone says, I fucking love, okay? I I love it. That's right, you heard me. I love it. I actually, as a kid, didn't even know this wasn't her original song. I thought this was- (laughs) I didn't either. I thought this was her song, and I always loved it. I still listen to it all the time. That's right, girls. I listen to it all the time. And anyone who wants to shit on this cover, Don McLean, the original writer and performer of the song, said he loved Madonna's version. And I know Madonna didn't love it, and I know she felt forced into it, but I don't care about that. I think that her vocals sound very enchanting. That's the word that I will use, because they just sound like... I don't know she's about to cast a spell on me. Very enchanting. I love it. It was a huge hit in the UK. It was number one. Yeah, oh my goodness. It was number one in the UK. I know it was big in Canada because I would hear it on the time of the radio. It was a top five hit. I don't know about America, but you know what? They're usually off, to be honest. So you're very quiet right now. So I guess you don't like it. So I'm going to... No, I'm just... I was like really into what you were saying, to be honest. Um, I'm like, this girl, I get a little defensive about this song because everyone shits... A lot of people shit on her version. I, I see it a lot on social media. So I feel like no. I have to be on, on the defense of this because I find it just so good. You know, it's one of my faves. I think it's fun. And I think, you know, if people... if I think that people would understand where her brain was in the production of this song if they had heard all of these other songs you know what i mean like it very much fits in with again this like austin powers thing that she was feeling like there was a a, a tinge of that still in her throughout all of what she was working on which is so crazy but like you can hear that here this song was major in america this was like a real big music video song. I, I just remember okay. this song. Like the like, video would always play on MTV and stuff like that, right? Yes, all the time. Just like on repeat all the time. I loved her in the video with the crown. I thought it was so cute. Oh my God, it's adorable. It's just, and it's, she's like, looks like she's having so much fun. And I, it's from the, her movie, um, The Next Best Thing. And I think that because it was a big hit, they added it onto the album music. Um, but I think yeah. that she like didn't want to put it on the album, but she did. And, and I think her actual quote, hold on, was, it was something a certain record company executive twisted my arm into doing, but it didn't belong on the album, so now it's being punished. And she's saying in reference to it not being on the second greatest hits album that she put out in 2001. My gut told me not to put the song on the album music, but I did it. And then I regretted it. So just for that reason, it didn't deserve a place on GHV2. Oh, Madonna. That's a very Madonna uh, thing to do. <laughs> yeah. It's like a long, slow burn, spiteful like diss. Yeah, well, you know what? She can diss it all she wants. She did an amazing job for the song, and it's one of my faves. I think it is a nice album closer to listen to it in a 2021 version, because now that we listen to everything through streaming, it's a different listening experience. So to the 2021 mm-hmm. version of this album, I thought it was a nice closer. And yeah, I think it's a strong cut, at least vocally, for sure, on this record. And it's not trying to be... like The thing that annoys me about people is like this song is so clearly not trying to be 
you know, this song is not paradise lost for me. It's it's like exactly it's, it's just fun. Yeah, it's, it's like a, a fun, fun song for the radio. Yeah, like it's not deep. It's 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 Madonna doing that thing where she like <laughs> like uh, uh squats down and then stands up really fast over and over for the whole song. She's like, oh yes, oh, I know that move. <laughs> 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 I've definitely done it at some drunk evenings <laughs> for sure. For sure, I've like fallen back and almost like busted my head open trying to do it for sure. Madonna can do it, so can we. Exactly. She probably can't do it anymore, though. Let's be let's be honest. Yeah, and she used to do that in fucking heels. Her like her whole show. I know that's very much the classic Madonna move. At least two thousand plus years. Yes, totally. Hey, well, the album, believe it or not, y'all is done. It's a short album, 10, 11 songs. But mm-hmm. I should, you know, we should point out that each song, majority of the songs in the album are relatively longer because you know, focus was really on like the production of these songs and the sounds. So definitely, I hope you guys all take a minute or an hour, I should say, to listen to this album. And really, if you haven't listened to it in a while or if you never thought to listen to it past the singles, definitely take a chance to listen to it. You know, it's very well received. It was in one of Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums of All Times lists, and it won a bunch of awards. It was one of Madonna's, like, greatest moments in her career, you guys. So please give it a chance. And I want to thank my friend Troy for being here today. Before we go, can you please tell everybody where they can find you on like social media, all your different projects that you have going on? Cause you're so amazing. And yeah, just tell Aww. everybody, please. Yeah. So I, my podcast is called Dunzo D U N Z O. Um, and I have a second podcast called beyond the blinds that I host with my friend Kelly Williams. And uh, yeah, and you can follow me. Um, we mostly do Instagram for both podcasts. So um just Dunzo Pod for Instagram and then Beyond the Blinds. Um, that one is private because we talk about some very dirty, dirty things, yes. some dirty celebrity, <laughs> celebrity things. So, uh, but we'll add you. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for letting me do this. Oh, just thank you for coming. I have to tell you guys also like his Instagram is more like more than just the pod, but even just like your page, like you're literally like my breaking news a lot of the time. Like most of the time I see everything first from you. And so it's like, you guys, like you definitely want to be following that. And obviously because you guys loved this episode, you're going to go subscribe to Dunzo podcast after this because please do. Yeah. He's so iconic. Thank you, Troy so much for doing this with me. And I guess we'll do this again for American life soon. eh? Yes, please name the time and place. I'll be there. Absolutely. All right, you guys, you guys all have a great day. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we'll be back next time with our 20th anniversary Britney special. All right. Love you guys. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.